You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! All this talk of the metal zone is very engaging. You got to—it deserves your full attention. That's right. It's a legendary pedal. Because <laughs> that's what this whole episode is about, correct? Well, that's all we're going to do is talk about the metal zone. That's all I really yeah. intended on talking about. So. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I am your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today I have Johnny Balmer from Alchemy Audio. How are you doing today, sir? Good, man. How about yourself? Uh, I really can't complain. It's uh, It's been a dry couple days around here, which is unusual for this time of year, and it's making me very happy. I would... Uh... I would uh, imagine. Uh, we've still got a little residual snow here in Chicago, but it's supposed to be 60 next week, so. Nice. Can't complain. Very nice. All right. Now that we got the obligatory weather discussion out of the way. <laughs> well, the, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an important thing because people yes. really care about our weather situation. <laughs> it's like the top of, the top 10 reasons people tune in is to hear me grill people about you know, their favorite foods and what the weather's doing. So, Excellent. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so, um, Chicago. I, yes. I, you know, I've always kind of wanted to go to Chicago, but it wasn't until the last probably four or five years that it was like, I really, really want to go to Chicago. And the the top reason is because I really want to visit Chicago Music Exchange, obviously. That would be a good reason. And then the other reason is because I discovered this pizza place I really want to go to on Instagram. And and I actually am, it's the only food-related uh, um, account that I follow, and it makes me drool daily. So What uh, what pizza place is it? It's called Peace. Yeah. You know, you know the place? Yes, I do. I've been there many a time, and it is worthy of the reputation it has. Oh, man. Now it's even... Now and, I even uh, more want to go. A little fun fact is Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick is a part owner in that uh, restaurant. I kind of wondered about that because I see him in posts on there kind of regularly. Yes. Uh, so that makes sense. And uh, for the longest time, I haven't been there recently, but they would have some of his guitars adorning the wall of the restaurant. So you'd go in and there'd be some crazy four-necked guitar hanging up on the wall. Nice that you could look at while you enjoy your beer and pizza. But yeah, they're they're kind of a double threat. They've got both beer and pizza that are amazingly good. Oh, that's so, a, that's my kind of joint right there. Yeah, highly recommended. When I make the pilgrimage, I'll be sure to, to stop in and say hi to Rick. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if he's there at like tossing pizzas, but you never know. <laughs> and maybe it's very zen for him, and it's a, it's a good little way for him to relax when he's not playing on stage or something does he have some sort of role in chicago music exchange and reverb somehow it seems like he does if i'm if my memory um, is serving. i've seen videos uh featuring him where they were selling pieces from his uh pretty enormous collection um but otherwise as far as an ownership stake i i'm not aware i mean i don't i don't know how that's uh structured personally but um but uh, I know, you know, over the summer they were selling off some guitars and various uh, items from his uh, collection, and they so they did a little video demo that I'm sure you can still find on there. That was that was kind of interesting to watch. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Yeah. And uh, everybody tuned in today to listen to the Rick Nielsen podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's worthy of discussion. A uh, new Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, you know? Well, that's true. That is yeah. very true. Yeah. Well, I, I like Cheap Trick as much as the next guy, but um, I think maybe we should start talking about you instead for today. I, I suppose so. If if you're okay with that. <laughs> I'm all right with that. So why don't we start with the... Uh, the classic question. Well, you know, let's uh, introduce let's let's introduce yourself first because some people may not be familiar with what it is that you do. Um, you know, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. So for for anyone who doesn't know, um, I primarily repair, build, and modify guitar effects pedals. Um, I also do some work with amplifiers. Um, I build uh, custom instrument cables. And, uh, you know, I buy, sell and trade, uh, pedals as well. So I kind of dabble in a, a few different, uh, gear related, uh, areas, but pedals are definitely my specialty and that definitely keeps me busy most of the time. Is that mostly with mods? I see you have a lot of different mods on the website. I do. Yeah. And that's, and that was kind of how I, how it started off. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing kind of electronics, uh, you know, work as a hobby since I was a teenager, like a lot of people just kind of dabbling in it and, you know, putting a pickup in a guitar or, um, you know, making some cables or fixing a cable that was broke or, you know, nothing too intensive. And then later on got got pretty heavily into, you know, modifying effects pedals and, and, you know, initially just working from the, you know, the various kits that are out there, like the Monty Allums kits and whatnot. And then that just kind of led me down the rabbit hole of, you know, going online and you can see, oh, you know, there's this mod available for this pedal. And then this guy's doing this thing and this guy's doing that. And then you just start experimenting with, you know, what you like about this one and what you like about this one. And, and to the point where it just develops into something of your own, and that's kind of where we're at today with it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the the modding thing is is really interesting to me because I have started to see well, just the other day actually, like I'm starting to see people modding what would be considered like more boutique type, in, you know, pedals. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't yeah. seem to be a thing until recently. I mean, yeah, and I think it probably just follows because we're in, we really are in like a golden age of guitar effects. I mean, there's never been more choices available from, you know, small to large builders. And it, it's really cool, you know, as a player to, um, you know, have those kind of choices available. So I guess it stands to reason that with, with everything, people always, you know, have that interest in making it better or, um, you know, improving on something or maybe adding a feature to it. Um, so yeah, it's not, not surprising. No, it's, it's cool though. It's, I just never thought that I would see, like, I kind of didn't realize that, uh, T1M modded, uh, super moons, which I guess I'm behind the times. A lot of people apparently knew that, but yeah, it was like, you know, yeah. And I've seen mods to, you know, KTRs and, right. and uh, you know, that would make me a little nervous to just dig into something uh, unless you were pretty confident in uh, your ability to to do it because uh, that's an expensive mistake to make if you, uh, <laughs> right. if you mess something up. <laughs> well, I was thinking like that's that was what was going through my head. It was like that's an ex- – you know, you don't generally – some people do, but I don't generally get things right on the first try. So yeah, it's a lot like, of R&D. <laughs> like, man – uh, messing up a Klon KTR would be, you know, not great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> but, for anyone uh, that has an interest in, uh, you know, starting off with mods and, and kind of getting their feet wet, so to speak, with it, I, I always tell them, you know, pick up a cheap Boss DS1 for 25 bucks and go nuts because if you mess it up, you know, you're out $25. Right. <laughs> Is that what you started with? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, once I kind of discovered the whole world of, of pedal mods, um, I, you know, just started off on a lot of the inexpensive, common pedals. Um, and like I said, just kind of working from kits and, and just getting, you know, pretty comfortable with that. And then, and then from there, it just kind of, you know, blossomed into what it is now. Right, right. Uh, I'm I'm not going to lie, ever since 
we've been talking about you getting on the show, which was been months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been trying to keep my eyes peeled for a cheap metal zone to send. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen one cheap enough that I was, you know, I'm not going to spend a ton of money on it. Yeah. And uh, you know, as someone who mods them, I think I even, you know, say in the, uh, you know, in the language of the, you know, for the, for the listing, I say, you know, would I recommend going out and buying one of these? Eh, Probably not. But if you've got one kicking around in your closet somewhere and, you want to, you know, make it so it's actually usable. Right. Send, it, send it to me, and I, I can tame the beast, so to speak. So when you get get done doing whatever it is that you do in there, what is the end result? What does that sound like, other than not a box of bees anymore? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remove the bees from the inside. That's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, you know, uh, there's several diodes in there, uh, many of which I replace. And um, I also adjust the tone stack to make the EQ more usable throughout the range and uh, make the dis- – it's still going to be a high-gain pedal, no doubt, but uh, the the distortion will definitely be a little more usable and not so shrill and uh, and buzzy sounding. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that would be the <laughs> a definite improvement. Yeah, I agree. It it was a challenge for me to try and figure out uh, what the options might be for for modifying it and making it, uh, uh, you know, turning lemons into lemonade. Right, right. So let's uh, let's not get too far. I mean, we already discussed that we may talk about the metal zone the whole time, but before we do that, <laughs> before we go uh, in our um, you know glorious exploration of all things boss, yes. Uh, why don't you tell me about your musical backstory and how that actually translated into what you're doing today? Sure. Well, it begins in uh, Minneapolis, where I am originally from, and a teenage Johnny Balmer started getting interested in uh, playing guitar. So like a lot of people, I just started off uh, taking lessons at my local music store at the mall. And, uh, you know, just continued to play throughout my teenage years and played in some bands and um, was always kind of, you know, in addition to playing, always kind of dabbling in like uh, recording. And, I you know, I had my little Tascam 4-track and um, throughout the years that became something I was interested in doing. So I went to school for uh, audio recording and worked in a few studios in Minneapolis and I think that's probably where my interest in a lot of the, you know, all things electronics came from is because when you're in that environment, you're oftentimes forced to fix something that breaks and you've got the clock ticking and clients waiting. And if you can't figure out a solution, you've got to come up with, you know, an alternative or something that will work. And so, um, that was, that was kind of the genesis of it, um, and then uh, fast forward to 2002, and that's when I moved to Chicago. And I was also involved in, uh, I owned a chain of record stores. And so that was my other business that I, that I did for a number of years. And um, kind of, you know, got back into guitar gear and started playing again after, after we'd been out here for a while. And, you know, dove down that rabbit hole of, of effects pedals in particular. And then, like I said, started dabbling. But even going back to when I was a teenager, I had the the Craig Anderton book, Electronic Projects for, for Musicians, and was, you know, kind of tinkering and, you know, just not doing it for a living or anything at that point. Right. So. And then, uh, you know, to my surprise, when I when I started doing this just kind of as a hobby, like a lot of people do, I, I you know, would just do things for friends and then they'd tell a few people and it just really organically kind of grew from there where it was just like, you know, Oh, I heard this pedal that you modified for this guy, you know, can you do one for me? And, and, uh, you know, Oh, I've got this broken one that doesn't work either. Can you fix that? And, and that, that was how it started. There you go. That seems to be a lot of guys, uh, tales. Yeah. Just kind of started doing it and their buddies is, you know, eventually kind of, I naively just kind of assumed like, oh, everyone knows how to solder. I've been doing it since I was a teenager. And then just kind of quickly realized that, you know, for some people it's kind of intimidating and they don't even want to take the, you know, the base plate off of a pedal and look inside and, and, uh, 
that's when they send it to me. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there are scary things inside the pedal. I don't like looking in there. It's I don't know what it is. Could be could be anything. Could black I magic. I feel that way about uh, modern cars. I I pop the hood on you know anything that was made in the last fifteen years, and I just scratch my head. It's all sensors and magic. Yes, robots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not actually terribly terrified of looking inside of pedals, but you yes. know, I well, I kind of I unlike I said it amps. Before, you're, oh, go ahead. You, you're not. I was. I'm sorry. I was, I was gonna say, unlike amps, you're not gonna die if you open up a pedal and touch something. So, right. Yeah, it's. I just know just enough to be dangerous. Like I know what uh, a resistor does. You know, I know. Yeah. What things I know what most of the components do in theory, um, but if you was to you know throw me at a table and have me try to design something, that would be a a nightmare. I could probably and do a, a really mean like true bypass looper. I think I could handle. There that. you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I don't have a formal background in electronics. Um, it's mostly just from trial and error and just being self taught. And you know I'm read a ton of stuff, anything I can get my hands on, whether it's online or, or, you know, in book form and just a lot of, you know, trial and error. And, you know, what does this do? What does this do? What if I change this value of this resistor and just, you know, kind of trusting your ears with what, what I think sounds good or what, what adds to, you know, a particular pedal or what subtracts from it. Are there certain like rules of thumb that you, that you kind of go by when you're maybe developing a new mod or a new pedal or whatever the case may be. Like as far as like how to like making a overdrive sound better, like are there certain things you automatically do? Yeah. And you can, you definitely see a lot of similarities between different, uh, you know, especially if it's the same kind of pedal, a fuzz pedal or an overdrive pedal or, you know, what have you, you start to see a lot of, uh, repetition, between the different manufacturers because you know a lot of times it does start with with a particular effect becoming popular whether it's like a phase 90 and then all of a sudden you know five other companies have their own version of a phase 90 and and so you're seeing you know probably more similarities than differences in the circuit so you know and then you know when you're getting in pretty deep into modding and you know changing diodes you start to have a feel for you know what you know what different ones sound like and what might sound good here and yeah so definitely definitely uh you start to start to know like where to begin when you're trying to tackle something from the for the first time right it's interesting as you were talking about that it it reminded me of something i've realized lately uh that what my ears really like i really like soft clipping for, mm-hmm. we're talking, we're talking mm-hmm. for overdrive mm-hmm. and and therefore i've noticed i really like um overdrive pedals that utilize yellow leds for mm. clipping uh i don't i didn't discover that by myself but i just like was telling somebody like some different ones that i liked and they're like oh yeah well those all have this similar you know characteristic i'm like oh interesting who would have thought <laughs> yeah no kidding uh and i i don't know it's um it's a uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. I didn't know that uh, yellow LEDs were were my jam, but apparently they are. <laughs> <laughs> so now now you can you can bother all the manufacturers and ask them if what color their LEDs are in their in their circuit designs. <laughs> right. So I mean, that's I mean we're laughing about it, but like, is does it matter? Like, yeah, it does. It does the, the color. Hmm. Yeah, because they'll they'll have different uh, different uh, voltages. So yeah. Oh, okay. So like, mm-hmm. what would a red compared to a, a yellow in the same circuit sound like? Uh, boy, I don't. I'd have to. I'd have to look at them. Or oh, listen okay. To them. Yeah, I'd have to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just. But, the, but there my... are differences among colors. Yeah, definitely. Mm, now my wheels are turning. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to start swapping out all the LEDs. So cool. D- yeah. Now. Um, is this true too? See, I'm going off of a lot of, uh, hearsay and internet wisdom, which is dangerous. Um, but some of them I'm told do light up, you know, when, like, like for instance, the Keeley with the seeing eye mod, mm-hmm. uh, but then I was told some of them don't. 
Is that correct? Or do they, am I? You're talking specifically about LEDs? I'm, yeah, the clipping LEDs. Um, I've always seen that they light up. Okay. I, I haven't in, encountered any, you know, unless they're installed uh, incorrectly with the, with the uh, polarity reversed. Um, I've always seen that they've light up. Oh, okay. So, Some, yeah. Somebody told me there wasn't enough juice pushing it to make them light up. That we were just clipping the diode. Like oh, that could be. Okay. Yeah. I'm really pushing the limits of my electronic knowledge right now. So. Well, and mine too. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said, I'm not an electrical engineer. I'm, I'm not Robert Keeley. Right. So let's get him on the horn. Call him up. <laughs> We'll we'll grill him. We'll get all his secrets. We should. I I listen to your podcast with him. He seems like a good guy. He's a super good dude. He's definitely one of the uh, peers and uh, forefathers of what I'm doing. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, we were kind of talking about that down at Nam amongst a, a couple guys, and like the whole Tulsa like scene right now because there's kind of a scene down there for gear. Mm-hmm. It's, it always seems to root back to Keeley in some way because he was kind of the first. Is it, uh, are the other companies associated with him in any, any way, like former employees or uh, yeah, exactly. mentors? Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, or I mean, maybe not directly, but there's always a connection somewhere. Yeah. It's it's just a really interesting, uh, and because like, well, somebody else told me, what else are you going to do in Tulsa? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, no, I've never you been know, there. It, it does not surprise me in general, like whether it's effects pedals or, or any industry, like it, it becomes very incestuous and like someone works for someone and, and cuts their teeth and learns a lot. And then they decide that they want to, you know, go off on their own and, and try and build a better mousetrap and, and they start their own company. So right. it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. It makes me wonder what is it about the Portland area? There's a lot of guys over here too, and it's yeah. Like, I don't know, but there's not a hub. I don't think not, not that I'm aware of. It's not yeah. like it's not like you know, Analog Man was over here or something. It was just like there's all these little guys that popped up, kind of, sort of around the same time in this same neck of the woods, and I. And it's, it's interesting, and, and even like Minneapolis, where I'm from, I know there's several companies that are based there. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So yeah, <laughs> but it's good for me, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, the weirdness is fine. It's totally fine. So let's see. Oh, I know something I was going to ask you. Uh, yes. Do you have a favorite tweak or favorite pedal that you that you like working on the best, or something that to your ears just sounds is such a huge improvement that that's your favorite thing to do? There's a, there's a few. I I'm really happy with the mod that I do for the the current Big Moth. Okay. Um, because it's a pretty extensive circuit mod, and even though it's different than the vintage uh, Big Muffs, I think it gets it pretty close in sound to like a Ram's Head era. And then I add some features on there that I don't think are found on some other you know Big Muff mods that I've seen. Oh, so cool. you know, one of which is the three-position diode switch that selects between different uh, clipping diodes. That gives you some more options for for tones and then i install uh what i refer to as my dead bat circuit and that's just a voltage regulator to simulate a dying nine volt battery and that allows you to you know adjust the voltage that you're feeding to the circuit um via a knob on the back of the pedal and and uh you can get some pretty cool results just by you know playing around with that where you're actually you know kind of starving the circuit of, of less than nine volts and and uh then the wackiness ensues. Very fun. Yeah. I don't, th- I don't think I've ever tried starving a Big Muff. I wonder what that would sound like. Does it start getting splatty? or? Yeah, I mean, it, it gets kind of dull sounding. And, and you know, there's definitely a, a range where it becomes probably a bit unusable. But um, it's very sensitive where you can really fine tune it. Oh, very fun. Yeah. That sounds like a good time. A very good time. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm going to be keeping, well, I'm always looking for big muffs, but not generally the current ones. So now yeah. I'll be looking for one of those. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I like taking the real ubiquitous stuff like that and seeing what I can, you know, whether it's adding features or just improving on the, the circuit. And and uh, that's the that's the fun stuff for me. So, 
you know, the big muffs, the rats, the, you know, all the boss pedals. Um, those, those are the really fun things to, you know, improve upon. So we've talked about the metal zone plenty. I'm imagining, <laughs> I'm imagining. Oh, that I disagree. Not, oh, you, you want to talk about the metal zone some more? <laughs> we can go, we can really get in. I just sounded like, wow, that was weird. I just sounded like I was going to die. That, that was kind of <laughs> unfortunate. I need to not laugh like that on the microphone. Anyway. Um, well, we can talk about the metal zone some more. I was going to ask you if you had a favorite boss pedal. Uh, probably the tremolo. Oh, I, I yeah. really like the tremolo. And, and I think, uh, you know, I see that on so many people's boards, even just in stock form. And I, I really love the mod that I do to that as well. But I'm, that's probably my favorite effect in general is the tremolo. I just, I'm such a sucker for particularly like amp amp tremolo so i've got an old vibro champ that i love mm, yeah and i mean just straight into that with the with the tremolo going is just amazing and um yeah so i'm always on the lookout for like interesting fun new tremolo effects and and there's so many of them out there and they all sound different and they're all based on you know different technology um but as far as the boss stuff goes that one's definitely you know at the top of my list Gotcha. Yeah, that yeah. is a that is a really good pedal, even just in stock form. It does sound really nice. It is. It, you know, I I own a lot of tremolo pedals, and it's still in my top three. Nice. I yeah. That's an effect that um I I really really like, uh, but for some reason I don't ever start drooling over a tremolo pedal. Like yeah, I, only, I could see I, that. I only have one, but every time I use it, I'm like, oh, I love this thing. I need to get more tremolo. But then yeah, I go to well, the store and I'm like, give me more. Oh, this is the next Big Muff variety. Here we go. Right. <laughs> are, you, are you a fuzz guy primarily? Oh, that... it's my, it's, it's a horrible addiction. Uh, yes. I try, I'm trying to find a group, but uh, every time I find a group, we don't really talk about how to heal ourselves. We talk about where to buy more fuzz pedals. Right. And it's just a vicious cycle. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I've got way too many, but yeah. there's a lot to choose from. That's just such a fun, like, honestly, as, as much as I love fuzz, I don't play with it fuzz as much as you would think. Most of the mm -hmm. music I play is more like overdrivey rock and roll stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but for some reason I'm obsessed with collecting fuzz pedals. I, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't make any sense of it, but you know, whatever. I, I can, I can relate. Nothing will put a smile on your face faster than just plugging in, you know, even if it's just an old like maestro fuzz tone or something and just like cranking that up and hitting a chord and it just sounds so righteous. It Oh, very much so. Would, yeah. would you consider yourself a fuzz guy? Yeah. I mean, fuzz and tremolo are, are my two. Um, I like wah pedals too, just because there's so many different flavors out there. Um, and you know, along with fuzz too. So, um, you, there's just so many different directions you can go and so many people doing, you know, d different flavors of those. And it's a dangerous rabbit hole to fall down in. I'm terrible at wah. I'm terrible at using it. I always overuse and it sounds so dumb whenever I use it. It's just a, I'm no good it's at another, it. It's another one you got to be careful with because unless that's going to be your, uh, your signature sound, uh, it, can, it can definitely be overused or misused. Like uh, like Kirk Hammett, right? You you said it, not me, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad he's finally. We finally have a real guitar player that started. I I don't want to burn any bridges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he what? Is, I'm if he listens to this podcast, I will be very shocked. Kirk, if you're yeah. out there, I'd who am I kidding? He's you. not going to call me. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his own company now. I know exactly. He's the first one to ever mod a tube I, streamer. That's what I heard. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people have had differing opinions. On, I mean, everyone thought it was ridiculous, but like some I, people, like that was just a giant marketing stunt. I'm like, I don't know. Some of the things he know. said in that was, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if it was that calculated. I I think it probably just came more from a place of just being a, a little ill informed, or or maybe it was just taken out of context. Where like he, I think probably what he meant to say was, you know, like someone at his level that's like uh famous you know working musician 
but also an owner. I mean, there's plenty of artists in his position that are endorsees or, you know, kind of, you know, they, they're working very closely with a company that, um, where, you know, that's, they're kind of the flagship artist and, and right. he's, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I try to give him the benefit of the doubt that he just put his foot in his mouth and people took it out of context. But, uh, but I also think he's just probably a little ill-informed and just, when I, when I think of like artists that use pedals to, to great effect, no pun intended, that that's kind of like a cornerstone of their sound. Kirk Hammett's not someone that comes to mind. Right. It's like someone right. that like, Oh, the way he uses effects is amazing. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I think of someone more like Nels Klein or, you know, someone like that where right. that, that's, that's, that's their sound. That's their gig. So. Yeah. Speaking of Nels Klein, uh, we don't need to give Kirk any more press. Right. Uh, <laughs> which I should, I should preface that by saying I still really like older Metallica stuff. So that has no bearing on the subject. I, I uh, do like older Metallica stuff quite a bit. As an aside, the first concert that I ever went to when I was a teenager was supposed to be Ozzy Osbourne with Metallica opening. This was when Master of Puppets came out. Oh, and man. And they were touring with Ozzy. And routinely blowing him off the stage every night. And in between the time I bought my tickets and their show in Minneapolis, they left the tour and started headlining their own shows. And they were mysteriously replaced for some unexplained reason by Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so it was Blue, Blue Oyster Cult and Ozzy Osbourne was my first show. Well, I and, mean, you know, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I I appreciate them more now than I did when I was uh you know 14 but a, a young Johnny was not pleased when when that news came out. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine so. I was very excited to see Metallica and it did not happen until a few years later. Well, but you got you achieved that dream. <laughs> yes. Nice. I that's something I can't say that I've experienced and I kind of I would like to. So there's that. You may have missed that boat at this point. I think you're it might right. not be the same. I, I'm sure it's not the same. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, it can't be the same. They cut their hair. Yes. Okay. Well, there's no there's no cliff either, so there's that's a large part of it. Unfortunately. Well, yeah. Let's you know rest in peace. So yes. <laughs> oh man, this got this got depressing in a hurry. I, I know. Back to Nels. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, have you, I recently, it's not the original, but, um, I recently acquired, uh, the 16 second digital delay reissue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You played with those very much? A little bit. I think I've had a few through the shop where I've done repairs on, them. um, never owned one myself, but, uh, just had a chance to kind of play around with them a little bit. I still can't figure it out. It's, it's a ridiculous machine. It is. I, I think it it requires uh, a lot of time spent with it. It's it's one of those pedals where you you got to invest some time in it and sit down with it. Uh, I you know I've I've I kind of like when I I start to get that thing figured out, start to make some sense out of it, and then I don't touch it for a while and I kind of forget. And I'll turn it back on. I'll be like, "How is it making that sound? I don't know what's going on." I but, I just picked up one of those Montreal Assembly Count to Fives. Oh yeah. Oh my god, that thing is insane! I I feel like I barely scratched the surface on what it's capable of doing and and the weirdness that it can uh, that it can do. So that that's that's going to be a dangerous rabbit hole to fall fall I into. Re- and and I quite frankly don't have the time to <laughs> um, <laughs> sit yeah, around for hours on end. And <laughs> yeah, there, but it's so there fun. is that. But yeah, there, there's. I love pedals like that as well. You know, the ones that are just so weird and esoteric, and there's nothing like it. And they do so many things, and and you can plug in and start playing them, and then all of a sudden, two hours have flashed by before you even know it. I really want to try that particular pedal. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're ever just you just can't f- find the time, I know a guy <laughs> who might be able to squeeze in a couple hours and. <laughs> And really dial that thing in for you. It'll it'll be in the mail. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. I appreciate it. Yeah. What are friends for? Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so let's uh, 
Well, you mentioned a time thing, so this this may answer the question. Um, if you do get to play out or go record or, or whatever your musical endeavors are these days, mm-hmm. what does your current rig look like? I've got a few things. Um, I just recently moved into a new facility. So Alchemy Audio is now located in the uh, same building as a rehearsal facility that has about 100 uh, band rehearsal rooms. And so I've Perfect. got my own space. Oh, it's 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 great because where I was before... I, it was a beautiful building and really gorgeous inside, but I was in this building with, you know, yoga studios and law offices and people right. that would always look funny at me when I walked in the door. And I was always very self-conscious about making too much noise, especially during the day. So now I'm in a place where I can just, you know, have all my gear there and can go nuts. Nice. Um, so, you know, now that I'm set up in there, I've got... A fair amount of guitars, nothing, you know, probably the, the coolest one I have is a 70s Guild um, S100, I think it is. It's like their SG copy. Yeah, yeah. Um, really cool guitar that I got really cheaply uh, a few years back. It needed a little bit of work, and I, I, you know, got the work done to it, and it's just, it's an amazing guitar, and has like stock pickups in it that sound great, and... That that's a fun one to play, but otherwise, like I tried to assemble a collection of stuff that I would enjoy playing, but also provide a variety for when people want to stop by and plug into stuff. They, right. you know, depending on what they play, I've got some tellies, I've got a Strat, I've got a three thirty nine, mm. uh, I've got a cool Dan Electro twelve string. Um, and then as far as amps go, I've got um, a lot of small wattage tube amps. I'm a really big fan of cranking up a tube amp to 10 and being able to play it and, and you know, have that sound without it, you know, blowing your, your ears out. And so I've got a lot of, you know, like a Agnator Rebel and I've got a, a Swart, uh, one of the little five watt tweed ones that they make yeah. that I love. That one's amazing. Um I do some mods to the Fender Champion 600s, um, and so I'm a big fan of those after the mods, and I've got a few of those kicking around the shop. Um, I'm always looking for like the weird kind of oddball things, because just like with pedals, there's a lot of boutique amp builders and, and guys that are just working out of their garage that are doing some amazing stuff, and... You know, so if I stumble across something that that uh, looks interesting and sounds good, I, I I will pick it up. Versus just having an old Fender or an old Marshall that anyone with a wallet can buy. Right. So. Yeah, that's uh, I I definitely hear you on the uh, supporting the smaller guys. Not just not just for the principle of wanting to support them, but some guys out there doing some ridiculous things. So. Oh, it's crazy. Do you have any that you have your eye on right now in particular? Uh, well, that Count to Five was definitely one that was on my short list. I also just picked up the Warp Vinyl oh, uh, from yes. Chase Bliss. And that's another one that, I mean, God, you could spend hours just pouring through all the possibilities of that and just you know feel like you haven't even scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, there's a company in uh, Wisconsin, I believe, that's called Soaring Tortoise. And it's this one-man operation, and his thing is that he makes effects and some amps and, and whatnot out of, uh, like, recycled circuit components. And so he'll pull stuff out of old, you know, TVs and radios and whatnot. Oh. And then uh, I've got a couple of his pedals that are, the enclosures are made out of uh, wood from an Amish steel mill that's by his house. And so, you know, you look at these pieces and they're literally like these one-off like pieces of art where it's got this wood enclosure and all the components inside are, you know, recycled and uh, no two are alike. And he just does this, you know, that's what he does. And, um, you know, they're certainly not like gig-worthy pieces necessarily, but they're just so, I mean, it's, it is like owning a piece of art and there's, and they sound great and. You know, so I'm I'm always drawn to that kind of stuff. Yeah, that one-off uh, type of situation is always super interesting. Like, yeah, I'm that it just fascinates me right now. Like what you were telling me, because I've wondered about that before. Yeah, like, 
like I have, you know, chucked old electronics and I've, and I've thought, I wonder if somebody could make a pedal out of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I've never seen anybody do it. So I'm going to be hitting up the Google when we're done. I, I've heard that name thrown around before, but I don't think I realize that's what he did. It's worth so. checking out and, and, you know, and it's, it's carried through into my own aesthetic where a lot of the times when I'm building a pedal from scratch, uh, in the enclosure, I'll do like, you know, I'll do it painted and then do like some kind of distressed finish on it or would do like a swirl paint finish on it. Cause I, I like the unique quality of, of that where, you know, what you're building and selling, there's no two that are alike, you know, yeah, you might be doing a run of the same pedal, but each one is going to be unique and one of a kind. And, and I, I love, you know, that's something that I can do to separate myself from some of the larger companies that just don't have the ability to do that. Right. And it just, you know, adds a little personal touch to what I'm doing. Yeah. So we've talked, talked on and on about your mods, but we haven't really got into what your, your actual standalone pedals are. So what, what is it that you have? Well, um, I've got a few things. I mean, the, the flagship thing that I kind of launched Alchemy Audio with was that dead bat dying nine volt battery simulator. So it's a simple circuit. I can't claim credit for it, but it's, it is very useful to have on a pedal board. It doesn't take up a lot of space and, you know, works really well with a variety of pedals. And so, you know, those I've sold hundreds of and people seem to enjoy them and they react differently with each pedal. Um, then I've started branching off into doing a lot of the BYOC kits and building those and then, you know, customizing them with the custom enclosures. And then I'm working with a friend of mine here in Chicago on some stuff that we hope to be releasing. I can't talk about it too much right now, but, um, that we're going to, that we're going to, you know, develop and release. And this will be like our own line of pedals because I know that's something that, a lot of people have been kind of inquiring about and something that I just up until this point really haven't had a lot of time to devote to because I stay so busy just with mods and repairs of stuff. So is it something that you're going to keep the sales all direct? Are you going to attempt to get dealers or what's your game plan with that? Um, we're going to do direct through the website and then also on the, you know, various marketplaces, uh, reverb and eBay and, you know, the usual suspects, but also I would like to establish, you know, a, some, some select retail accounts. Um, even here in Chicago alone, you've got, uh, you know, the aforementioned, uh, Chicago music exchange, rock and roll vintage is here, which is another great shop. Um, there's, there's several places that, you know, just in the city where you could, get those things in there and, and, you know, get some exposure to a, a larger audience. That's very cool. So that's definitely in the works and then something that I've been wanting to do for a long time and just haven't had the resources available to do it until recently. So, right, right. Well, that's cool, but you're obviously doing pretty good. I mean, you're moving into better facilities. You got yeah. projects coming along. You're staying busy, man. I am, man. It's, it's great. And, uh, I just have like, like all the customers to thank that uh, keep coming back for stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it, the customer is, is what it's all about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or in, or in my case, the listener. Yeah. That works, right? <laughs> yeah. It's all about you guys. You, each one of you is special. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I don't know where I was, where I was trying to go with that. Uh, guys, please keep listening. I'm, I'm not going to get that weird on you, but uh, <laughs> I'll get other kinds of weird on different days. So, so um, your musical stuff these days, are you pretty much, you know, just doing like you, do you get to play out? Do you go in the studio? What do you, what do I, you do I wish that? I did. I really wish I did. And it's something that maybe, you know, when I was younger, I, I played in bands, uh, nothing too, too crazy. I mean, it was mostly just around like Minneapolis where I, where I was living. Um, I guess our, our, our big highlight was that we opened for Wasp. So there you go. There's that. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. I was, I was a heavy metal kid growing up, so that was, that was my thing back then. But um, I, I really wish I had more time to devote to it, but it, it seems like you know I'm playing every day, but a lot of times it's just in the space while I'm working on pedals and testing stuff out or you know testing new ideas on mods. And... Um, I wish it was more for pleasure than for like work related. 
Right. But, uh, I can't complain. Do you do you have it's, a band that you would practice with if the time was available, or is it I've, just I've got you? some buddies that yeah, I've got some buddies that play that you know we'll get together occasionally, but it's just so few and far between. I really wish I had more time to devote to that, but who knows? Maybe in the future. Yeah, I understand. I totally know the feeling. Like yes, we're like oh sweet, we got to get together and jam once in two months. This is wonderful no wonder we can't play any of our songs because yeah (laughs) we don't get the we we kind of we're all pretty busy too so our jam sessions used to be much more regular when we were leading up to uh, getting in the studio and and recording um and they've really fallen apart and we need to get back on the horse with that being an adult sucks sometimes i know why do we have to do this adulting (laughs) adulting's too hard i don't like it yeah what are my options? There's got to be. Um, there's got to be another way. Join the circus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any more craziness. I can't join the circus. <laughs> Plus, I don't think my trapeze skills are quite up to par. The circus is probably becoming like a, a lost art as well. Unfortunately. Well, do you think that maybe it would be one of those things that like has a resurgence? Do you think we'll ever see a circus? Re- well, we got Cirque du Soleil, or or however you say that. That's a little different. Yeah, yeah, I don't, who knows? <laughs> Why are we talking about this? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, uh, this is the way my brain is wired. It tends to go where it shouldn't go. Yeah, I, um, I, I can relate. Um, if I started a circus podcast, we'd end up talking about pedals the whole time. <laughs> I, like, I like that approach. So... When's the last time you went to a circus? Man, I I've seen the Cirque du Soleil show in in uh, Vegas. Um, right. So I guess if you consider that a circus, that was the last one. But otherwise, man, it had to have been when I was a little kid. I'm, like if you're I'm, talking like the traditional circus that blows into town with like yeah. a couple semis full of like elephants and and a guy that rides a motorbike in a sphere. And, <laughs> right. Um. A you know a ringleader and a sword swallower. It you know who swallows yeah. swords anymore? No one. There's not enough sword swallowers these days. Yeah. What are the kids going to grow up? They're not going to understand how to how these wonderful acts are performed. They're not going to know the glory of shoving sharp blades down your throat. Yep. Wow. I'm telling you. I was just thinking too. I'm pretty sure I was like seven last time I went to a circus. Like this is weird. Yeah. And I can't even remember the last time I seen a circus ro- roll in. Okay, that's enough talking about the circus. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm wired this way. It's 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 a terrible thing. I I hope everyone's still listening and they haven't turned off. We didn't tune in today to listen to you talk about sword swallowers. We want to talk about metal zones. Right, exactly. <laughs> we were promised an hour full of metal zone discussion and analysis, and we are being shortchanged. <laughs> <laughs> so shortchanged. So far, we've managed to talk about Rick Nielsen owning a pizza joint, sword swallowing, and Kirk Hammett. That's yes. just what we wanted to hear. Thanks, guys. Tone Mob's terrible. You guys need to get with the program. Many man. Love the internet. I can see it now. Yep. I need to get with the program. So, let's see. I'm uh, going down the list here. Let's see. So, you can you give me a time frame on those uh, on those effects? When can we start seeing the uh, the special secret project? Like, the prototypes roughly? are done. So we've been we've been just uh, playing around with the you know the different uh, voicings and fine tuning it. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out, you know, the production and how that's all going to work. And, you know, I guess the, the final design of, you know, how we want it to look, but, um, it's, it's coming together. Nice. How many, how many pedals are you going to launch with? I'd like to do at least a couple, um, you know, maybe three, it'd be, it'd be nice to have like a line that you can introduce and have it be some different stuff. So it's not just. Here's three fuzz pedals, unless that's what you're planning on specializing in. So, right. you know, we'll, yes. So, 
are you going to be like, will you finally mod a tube screamer, please? Like, I mod no, tube screamers. <laughs> nobody, nobody does that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah. Nobody does that yet. I've just been waiting for somebody to do that. <laughs> I got to bring that up again. No, bad. Shame on me. Poor um, Kirk. Poor Kirk. <laughs> he just can't catch a break on this episode, can he? <laughs> the internet's been eating that guy alive lately. I Poor know. Kirk. His PR people. Oh, well. That's good stuff. Good stuff, yeah. indeed. So, let me think here. Okay, I want to go... I wanted to talk about that guild a little more, and I got sidetracked on it. Um, yeah. It's a great guitar. Yes. Please do elaborate. Is that uh, Humbuckers, or what's in yes. that thing? Okay. Yes. And uh, when I bought it, it uh, had some some cosmetic issues where there was like a an inlay missing from from the neck and some binding. So I brought it to some uh, local guys. I'm definitely not a luthier, so brought it to them. They fixed it up. It you know plays beautifully now. It's got all the parts that it needs, and that would be probably my main guitar in the shop for when I'm just noodling around. That's um, the number one. Yeah, and they, you know, and if you remember, they had uh, mine is just you know the regular kind of brown color, but they had that uh, the one with the intricate like acorn design. I think it was called like the Nature Boy or something. And you oh, see yeah, those yeah. once in a while. Those are pretty wacky guitars. Those are those are crazy. Like Guild had yeah. some interesting concepts. Uh, yeah. Like what was it? The uh, I talked about this on a previous episode, but the Thunderbird had like the uh, the kickstand in it. That's right. I forgot about that one. I just like, like that. Just I understand the concept, but that just has horrible idea wrote all yeah. over. I mean, people have been people have been playing guitars for a while. Uh, I would think that somebody would have said, "Listen, this is not going to fly." Well, Henry, we like your thought process here. We like where your head was at, but this whole kickstand in a guitar thing is a bad deal for the rock and roll crowd. And you know, we're lucky that that idea never took took off because you know what would the guitar stand industry be doing right now they'd oh, be obsolete <laughs> all those guitar every, stand every guitar would have a built-in kickstand <laughs> how many broken headstocks do you think have resulted as a... oh goodness oh man that's terrible uh um, but that's a cool looking guitar though i will say it is I, I think it's made famous by uh uh what's his name from soundgarden is it kim thale does he I play that, one? I, yeah, so I, and I think uh, I think the the chick from Sleater Kinney plays plays one oh, too. Oh, that's, so that's right. Yeah, so those are probably the two that have kind of like single handedly caused the prices to increase on the used market, just because uh, they're they're not such a secret sleeper guitar at this point. Right. I think that kind of happened to the Guild line in general. Like, yes. prices really went up when people realized, oh, these are actually really sweet guitars. Mm-hmm. I I've never played one that I didn't like. Yeah. Uh, um the acoustics too. Their their old acoustics and even some of their newer acoustics were were pretty good also, but I played some of the old ones. That, I'm a big Gibson acoustic fan and I would hold some of these guilds up to the same standard. They're really impressive. Absolutely. Speaking of acoustics, I have I failed to mention I have a really cool old 60s Framus kind of arch top nice uh you know i don't know the model number but it's uh really cool you know with the with the f holes and great uh great sounding large jumbo acoustic guitar and and that's probably the main one that i just like mess around with on the porch in the summertime and and right you know scare all my neighbors (laughs) you scare them (laughs) depending on what i'm playing i was gonna say what are you doing with a guitar that frightens it i mean I've never been scared of anybody that had an acoustic guitar. Uh, that's a very non-threatening instrument. It it could be, you know, the fact that I'm out there shirtless or something. Okay. Who knows? <laughs> um, You'd failed to mention it was I actually kid, a banjo. I did. <laughs> it was a banjo when you were playing the the song from, uh, you know, that Burt Reynolds movie. Yes. <laughs> now I'm going to have that stuck in my head all day. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. Why did I do that to myself? Great. Here we go. So uh, that 
uh, that Framus. It's Framus. Is that how people pronounce it? Because I think I've been saying it wrong. Uh, I, that's how I say it. I don't know if it's right. Let's call them. Okay. Yeah. We'll <laughs> we'll let's hang up and we'll call them real quick. I'll what get. What time is it in Germany? It doesn't matter. Those Germans <laughs> never sleep. They're party animals. It's a twenty four seven Oktoberfest from the way I understand it over there. Yes. Right. How how do you pronounce it? I I always thought it was Framus, but oh, maybe it is. I. It sounds better to say Framus. Now think? I don't. I don't know. Huh. I'm sure your listeners will correct one of us. Okay. Well, what whatever it is. Um, yes. I played one that I really liked. Uh, an older acoustic. It was a couple years ago, but I found the neck a little bit thin. Is that? Yeah, it's definitely a thin thin profile. Um, very easy to play though for an acoustic guitar. Yes. Yes. You know? I have this weird thing because even though I have like short, stubby fingers and not very big hands, I like big necks, which is kind of counterintuitive. But I don't know. That's just my thing, I guess. You like big necks, and you cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll stop. <laughs> if I go too deep in that song, I will have to mark this episode as explicit, and I don't know yes. if I want to do that or not. We don't want to do that. There might be children listening. Kids listening, <laughs> wondering why we're so upset about the circus that they've never heard of. Yes. <laughs> or asking who Kirk Hammett is. Daddy, who's Kirk Hammett? <laughs> and what? why does he hate wah pedals? <laughs> anyway. Good times, good times. But speaking of the Framus, I also have uh, one of oh. the Hollywood Double K electric guitars, which I love. That's a fantastic guitar. Tell me more about that. Uh, I don't think that's uh, ringing a bell for me. You know, the, the they have an Earl Slick model that's very similar with that. You know, costs more because it's got the more high end finishes, and uh, the the Hollywood is just the more the kind of consumer model. Um, two, um, you know, kind of like single coils. It's a chambered body. Um, what else can I say about it? It's got a really unique pickup selector switch on it um yeah you have to look it up it's really cool great guitar the switch itself is like the switching system or just the switch itself it's got a four position switch with one of the positions being off um so it's a great guitar to have in the shop because i can just like plug into something go from off to on and be testing out pedals and then when i have to you know swap something out i can just you know kill the guitar or if i'm i have to set it down for a second so it's really That's cool interesting. Guitar. Yeah, I wonder if that was intended as like a kill switch function. I'm assuming, like to do stutter type things. Possibly. Yeah, I don't know what the origins are because you know that it's been around for a long time. So, but it's I got lots of googling to do. Yes, you're forcing me to do homework. Oh, I'm I sorry. Can't <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna have to look at guitars on the internet after this. This but is it's, terrible. It's the good homework. Well, and I mean Earl Slick, man. That's another that's another one that you could just like spend days like researching all the stuff he's done and you know he's one of my favorite guitar players. He's done a lot. He's yes. done a lot that I'm not necessarily familiar with and then things that's like oh, I didn't know he was on that. Oh, so it's, that uh... stuff with Bowie. I mean I I tell anyone that is in like a two guitar band that uh you know required listening should be uh station to station and then television's marquee moon. And oh, if you yes. want, if you want to know the right way to, you know, have two guitars interplaying and playing different things, and not just doubling what the other person's doing, I mean, it's just, you know, and well, and we mentioned Wilco earlier. It's like you know, listen to all the interplay that goes on there between the the guitars, and it, I mean, it's just amazing to, you know, when you hear when when you hear when it's done right, it's just it's so cool. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a uh, a skill that is required to not step on each other's toes, but yet still fill up the musical space. Yeah, you get multiple guitar players going. Yes. Um. Uh. My band, we don't necessarily do it with skill. We do it with with our tone <laughs> because we're, not, we're there's three of us and three uh, guitar players. Yeah. Okay. And and, and we're all uh, gear nerds. So the best way we avoid each other is uh, is having completely different tones set up. But uh, that's important too. I mean, uh, and I think that's an important consideration. 
it made for a fun recording session. I, I, I'm not going to lie. That was one of a, one of the funnest aspects of it to me was like, we would set up each other's rigs. Uh -huh. Like, like, like we had, a, you know, all of our collective pedals in a corner and we had a, you know, whatever amps we had on hand and, We'd be like, come in here and, and dial my rig in for me. And we wouldn't actually, we did that a lot. I mean, we'd still pick our own things for a lot of it, but there were times where the other guys would do it. And it kind of like. And so did it got... change from song to song where you were dialing oh, yes. in different setups and telling, that's great. Yeah. It, we, we constantly were switching things around. We're like, okay, on this song, I'm going to do a Telecaster. Mm -hmm. You're going to do the Les Paul. You know, it was always just really conscious of because we do a lot of um a lot of chords it's like a you know a rock and roll 90s style band mm -hmm. so there's a lot of big chord parts and there's only one way to do a big chord mm -hmm. is by playing a big chord <laughs> and so, so we had to make sure that the sounds were were separated enough um that they'd make sense and hopefully that worked out yeah but, well uh, i mean when you're talking about specifically effects pedals you know you it takes so much experimentation to figure out what works in a band context and what doesn't, because there's a lot of things that might sound great when you're just playing by yourself at home. But then you, you know, the, the big muff is kind of famous for that where in a band setting, a lot of times it just, your, your guitar gets kind of buried in, in the context, but R right. you know, you plug into it at home and strum a chord and it just sounds amazing and huge. So it's interesting to to experiment with just the different, you know, effects and where they might fit in the band context. Yeah, it's a it's a really important kind of thing to keep in mind because, like, the big full like giant sound that you have by yourself with say a big muff mm -hmm. is like, oh, that's great, but you're stepping on these other frequencies, and um, there's times that like. I've talked about this before, but I dialed in a sound that didn't sound very good by itself. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like it's like, Ooh, I don't know about that. That's a little shrill, but it just worked in the mix. And, um, it's kind of a strange, interesting thing. You wouldn't think that something that sounded bad would ever sound good, but sometimes that's the way it works. You know, a great example of that. And I just heard it somewhere the other day, like, you know, when I was out and about, it was, uh, Sympathy for the Devil and that guitar solo at the end where Keith is noodling around and and it's that kind of squeaky, you know, very tinny guitar solo that just, you know, if taken just on the surface, just sounds like it would be terrible and just like, who would, who would hear that tone and be like, yeah, that's the sound, you know, but <laughs> put it in that context and it's just, you know, you can't think of any other way that it should be, you know, and, and so it's... You just never know. That's true. Yeah. That is very true. That is a good way to put it. Yeah. You never know what might fly. Yes. Well, Johnny, we are uh, right at that hour mark. Yes. People so are people are arriving at work or they are falling asleep <laughs> or <laughs> Exactly. Turning us off in disgust. Well, they already did when we wouldn't shut up about the circus. I know. Well, you're going to dub in comedy, witty comments, and correct answers after and yeah, laughter well, and applause, right? I'm, I'm going to use all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff is going to come later. That's okay. what I, that's, that's the secret to this show is, is yes. none of these conversations are real. Fix it in the mix. It's, it's <laughs> Should be the tagline of this podcast. Don't worry, we'll fix it in the mix. You're gonna you're gonna use auto tune and and um, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. When <laughs> yeah, when this thing comes out, it's gonna sound like T Pain is talking to himself. Awesome. <laughs> so, do you have any um? Let's let's uh let you shamelessly plug all of your social media website, blah blah blah. Sure. Before we. Pop off here. Well, on the web, you can find me at alchemy-audio.com um, or just Google it and it probably will come up very close to the top. And then uh, I'm pretty active on both Facebook and the Instagrams. So you can follow me there as well. And I try and, you know, post plenty of photos frequently about what I'm up to in the shop and what I'm working on. So that's that's the best way. Otherwise, you know, get in touch and I'll be happy to do some work for you. All right. Sounds good, man.
thank you uh, very much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man, and keep on killing it with the podcast. All right, I will do my best. All right. I will I will edit this thing to oblivion. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So for Johnny, this is Blake, and as always, good luck and good tones. I'll talk to you later. All right, folks, that does it for this week's episode. Get back to work. Stop looking at gear on the internet. Stop listening about gear on the internet. Get back to work. This country depends on you turning in those TPS reports. But before you're back to the grind, a couple quick things. First is, Johnny sent me a DS1 that he modded. And let me tell you, that thing's a real crowd pleaser. It sounds great. So I would highly recommend, if you got an old DS1 sitting around in the uh, bowels of your gear collection, go ahead and ship it his way. He'll take good care of you. And also, he sent me a rock and roll trading card with Alice Cooper on it. So who knows what other kind of treats you may be in store for. And last but certainly not least, I've been working on a special secret project that is very, very close to being revealed and shown in the light of day. Come out of the cellar, you know, like some sort of horrible monster. But it, it's not a horrible monster. It's not that weird. Anyway, the first folks that are going to find out about it and any extra goodies that go along with it are those that are subscribed to the Tone Mob mailing list. So if you go to ToneMob.com, you'll see a little menu that says Join the Mob. Hit that, enter your email address, and you will be the first in on the ground floor, so to speak. So, ToneMob.com, Join the Mob, Enjoy yourself. And as always, have a good week. Stay safe and rock on. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company. And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got... Three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.